You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome into Locked On Mavericks for November 7th. It's a Monday, it's the day before Election Day, actually. Uh, you're listening to uh, Locked On Mavericks, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Mike Marshall. I'm your primary host, my, uh, my secondary host, secondary ball handler, the guy I run pick and roll with on a daily basis, is, uh, is out of town on some work duty and the, uh, the burgeoning vacation um, metropolis that is Cleveland. So what we will do today is we will have a, uh, a discussion about some of the news that came out of the game last night that's actually overshadowing the game um, about Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks revoking the credentials of a one Tim McMahon and another Mark Stein. And no one better to do that than the guy that broke the story, uh, Tim Cato, Cato. Tim Cato of Mavs Moneyball will join us to discuss the happenings last night at the AAC and what's going on with, uh, you know, the guy that I respect the most that covers the Mavericks, Tim McMahon, and also a phenomenal national writer and uh, just all-around good dude, Mark Stein, and their uh, their little pickle that they've gotten, gotten into with uh, Mark Cuban um, and his displeasure with the handling of the Dallas Mavericks from ESPN. So we'll talk about that with Cato and some other things uh, here in about 10 minutes, but... Uh, First, I wanted to remind you that Locked On Mavericks is brought to you by SeatGeek. And SeatGeek is the uh, the ultimate online ticket broker for your dollar. If you don't have the SeatGeek app on your phone, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? You need to get that thing. Download it on Android or on your iPhone. Slap it on your phone there. Go open it up and search around for the best ticket prices online that you'll find anywhere. SeatGeek will gather up all the tickets for you, put them in one spot. They'll even grade them for you. Green is good value, red is bad, pretty simple system, and they'll get you out to events you want to go to, like Mavericks, like a Mavericks home game, like uh, Adele coming through the AAC, like uh, Bricks Block Party this Friday at the Bomb Factory. And if you go to the uh, the Me tab on the SeatGeek app in your telephone and you enter the promo code LOMAVS, that'll save you 20 bucks. We're saving you some money. We're getting you the best seats, we're getting you out, we're getting you on the scene, we're getting you to the events you want to go to, and we're saving you $20 with the promo code LOMAVS. They'll send it to you either PayPal or they'll mail you a check back. So whatever the ticket price is, take 20 off the top, and there you go. We're saving you some money here on Locked On Mavericks and getting you out to the events you want to be at. Also, if you uh, would be so kind as to check out Locked On Cowboys, that'd be really cool of you. Uh, daily Cowboys podcast for you to enjoy. Just like us, we're daily, we're here for you every single day to uh, chop up some kind of Mavericks topic. And uh, today we have to celebrate the Mavericks' first victory of the 2016-2017 season over the Milwaukee Bucks last night. Overtime joint, it was uh, final 86-75 to um, at the American Airlines Center. Uh, quick recap of this game before we get to our discussion with Tim Cato. In typical Mavs fashion, they started 22 uh they spotted the uh, Milwaukee Bucks a 13-point lead, 22-9 to in the first quarter, uh, with Jabari just doing a number on Wesley Matthews before the Mavs adjusted. Uh, Bersino 
got some run in the first quarter, which was really confusing. But, uh, you know, whatever. These are desperate times, uh, so desperate measures or insane measures, whatever. Um, Racino couldn't handle Toledovich, left him open for three, I think like a minute into his debut, and Rick yanked him with the quickness um, and threw in Finney Smith. And uh, he basically locked down Toledovich, made some uh, some impact on the defensive end, and the Mavericks found a lineup that uh, – that would actually stop people from shooting the three on them and destroying them from three. And it was with Finney Smith, Curry, and Sala on the court. In the second quarter, the Bucks were one of eight from three. Uh, Mavs did a good job overall, actually. Let's see what their total was. Six of 29 from three for the Bucks last night after starting pretty hot. And um, that's one of the biggest bugaboos. That's one thing, like, you list problems and issues that your basketball team is having. One thing that I know the Mavericks constantly freak out about is uh, is getting bombed from three on a regular basis. That's why Jameer Nelson got traded. Um, that's why they brought Rajon Rondo in here. So the Mavs actually took a lead into halftime. That's the first time they led at the end of any quarter this season. So you know things were going their way. And they might have accidentally stumbled upon something here. And it is Harrison Barnes playing the four um, in large doses. Because there are three lineups with Harrison Barnes at the four. Uh, the one that's played the most uh, frequently, most amount of minutes, they played 31 minutes together, is Berea, uh, Darren Williams, Wesley Matthews, Barnes, and Bogut. For a team that has been so bad and not led all any quarter except for one last night, they're a plus 21.2 in net rating. So that kind of stands out to me. And then you go down to the next one, where it is Seth Curry, Darren Williams, Wesley Matthews, Harrison Barnes, and Andrew Bogut with Barnes at the four, obviously. They're a plus 10.9 in net rating. And then you go down to what they used last night for 18 minutes, which was Berea, Wes Matthews, Finney Smith at the three, Barnes at the four, Bogut at the five. Last night, in the 18 minutes they played of that new lineup that they just rolled out for the first time, a plus 61.4 net rating, a 40.1 defensive rating. So all signs point to Harrison Barnes playing the four as basically the future of this team. Um, If you want to think about it in that fashion, we haven't talked since Dirk, the news on Dirk missing a week. I expect it to be two weeks, maybe even three weeks um, down the road before Dirk is fully healthy because we saw this from Zaza last year. He took a week um, heading into the All-Star break because everybody got a week, um, and he never was right again. The rest of the season, he couldn't move. And you might say, oh, a dude's not athletic anyway, like whatever. I'd look at the, the opposite. If you have a real finite, tight window of athleticism to use, if you take away, I don't know, a quarter of that, then you're nothing. You're just like, you know, you're like your normal Arlington ISD school board member, like running out there trying to shoot threes. If you take away a quarter of their athleticism or even half um, from a dude that obviously isn't um, already super uh, quick twitchy. But here's some more numbers on Barnes in terms of uh, what he's been good at this year. So 10 drives at the basket last night, 4 of 8 on field goal attempts. Uh, he got an assist out of that. Um, he shot 50% on drives to the basket, and 10's a lot for a power forward. Just know that. But uh, here you go. This is what he's been really good at. Overall, 1.059 points per possession, which is the 79th percentile. So he's been good on offense. Uh, transition, he has not been good. 
if he starts doing that and gets more more, more comfortable in transition and starts finishing uh, around the rim and being a guy that fills the lane, these numbers are going to go off the charts. They're going to be they're going to be insane type of numbers. But uh, what his bread has been buttered by is isolation. He's had 29 isolation possessions and he scored 38 points for a 1.31 points per uh, possession. That is in the 86th percentile in the NBA. He's also been very good at the pick and roll as a as a roll man. 13 possessions, 17 points, 1.308 points per possession. 89th percentile as a pick and roll roll man. Off screens, he's got a 1.357, which is in the 81st percentile. And I never pegged Harrison Barnes as an isolation type guy or a driver to the basket necessarily on a on a regular basis, but when you match him up with a four that doesn't have his foot speed, probably can't jump as high as he does, and he has an athletic advantage, um, he's turned into a top five guy in the league in terms of isolation possessions and points per possession on isolation. So here's the leaders and how frequently they use isolation possessions in the NBA. Jamal Crawford is number one, 27 possessions. No real surprise. That's his game. They single him up on a wing and let him cook. So 34.2% of his uh, percent of his possessions are isolation base. Jalil Okafor, that's probably in the post. He's got 12 possessions this year, 26.1%. Jerry and Grant, uh, that's an anomaly. He's only played three games. He has four total possessions um, of isolation, and it's 25% of his possessions. So he's only had 16 total possessions. Harrison Barnes clocks in at fourth. And if you take Jerry and Grant out of there, he's top three. So in the six games Harrison Barnes has played, 29 possessions that will be qualified as isolation. Uh, that is 24.6% of his possessions. One quarter of his possessions are straight-up isolation. You make something out of nothing. You beat your man one-on-one. You get a good look. You, uh, you get enough separation to pull up and do something you're comfortable with. 1.31 points per possession in isolation is insane. That's not just good. That's better than everyone. And at this moment, Harrison Barnes, the question was going into this season, can he match what Chandler Parsons gave you last year and the year before? Well, he's surpassed last year for me already. Um, I'd like it to be a little bit more consistent. I'd like it have him to have a month that's really fun to quote, and he might at the end of, uh, end of November. But, dude, he's been better than Chandler Parsons. But it's coming in different ways, and the team has been so bad overall because the offense um, just hasn't worked in the aggregate and they, you know, they're one and five. They played a bunch of teams that are better than them. Last night they played a team that is not better than them. And Harrison Barnes found the matchups he wanted uh, and he went to work and I could not be happier with what he's done thus far uh, in the year because the two things that I think are probably going to be the most natural for him whenever you get going is going to be transition because he's long, he's fast, he jumps very high and he dunks very uh, ferociously. He'll be better at transition. I guarantee it. There's only been 10 possessions. He scored eight points on it, which is not great. He's going to be better, and they're going to start looking for him in transition. Also, posting up, he's had the right idea, the right mentality. He just hasn't gotten deep enough and finished enough on post-ups. 14 post-up possessions, eight points, um, which is not good. That's not uh, – that's, what, 13th percentile in the league. So, yeah, you're missing a lot there. But those two things should be natural to him. And whenever those start coming around um, and he keeps some kind of uh, close approximation to what he's doing in isolation uh, possessions, man, 
I'm very excited about this. I'm very excited about him playing the four. That's one thing you can watch and have fun with thus far because he's been excellent. Everything around him has been kind of poo-poo to this point, but you're seeing the future of the power forward position in the Mavericks, and it's happening way before we expected or anticipated because of what's going on with Dirk Nowitzki. Um, But you're going to see this for a long time here, and it's going to be real sad when Dirk goes, obviously, and we can have that discussion at another point, but this is the future of the team. It's Harrison Barnes at the four, and uh, great results thus far. All right, let's uh, let's get to it. Let's talk to Tim Cato about what happened last night at the AAC or what actually happened last Friday night in terms of getting credentials revoked and Mark Cuban um, taking a stand against ESPN in the way that their uh, their business model is moving forward. All right. All right, let's welcome into uh, Locked On Mavericks for the very first time. A man that'll be going viral on the internet streets near you at any moment of any day. Tim Cato of Mavs Moneyball. Tim, how you doing, pal? I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. Yeah, uh, these viral moments, dude, they just pop up. You know, just kind of wander into them. It's it's <laughs> kind of a mess sometimes, but you you can't plan on them. They just they just no, sneak you, up you really on you. Can't. They are very unpredictable, but yes, I guess I guess I've uh, accidentally stumbled into another one here. There you go, and uh, you can follow Tim at uh, Tim underscore Cato on uh, on Twitter, or check out Mavs Moneyball. It's an SB Nation site. You can go check that out for his work there. Um, I don't want to put words into your mouth on how this uh, this came about last night, the Tim McMahon and Mark Stein versus Mark Cuban situation. So I guess just uh, just fill me in on uh, what exactly happened last night because you were the first person I saw that had um, any definitive kind of information on it. So what what exactly happened? Yeah, from my understanding, uh, this this actually happened on Friday where the, the two ESPN reporters, Mark Stein and, ES, and Tim McMahon, were you know not allowed at, at the games, not credentialed for the games. Uh, but then Sunday it kind of came to a head. Uh, it started getting out, out, out there, and uh, that's when I heard about it. Um, I had I had actually known a little bit it was happening, but I, I wasn't sure if Cuban would actually go through on it uh, because he had he, a few weeks ago even he had you know threatened his you know warned warned McMahon warned ESPN that this is something he was considering doing if McMahon wasn't you know a full time beat writer for the team and that's essentially what brought this about uh, that that uh that McMahon has has his coverage kind of shifted where he's, he's looking more at uh, other teams. He's covering the Mavericks, still still based here. But ESPN wanted him covering the Utah Jazz, the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, maybe even Portland a little bit, or Minnesota. Uh, teams, they don't have full-time beat writers, you know, people based out there. They don't, they don't have uh, writers out there. So, so McMahon was going to be the catch-all guy, and he was still going to cover the Mavericks plenty, but it, it wasn't going to be in a full-time capacity, and, you know, he was going to miss, you know, 30% of the games or whatever. So... Uh, that's, that's when, that's when Cuban decided, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't okay with that and, uh, ended up banning not only McMahon, but now Mark Stein, who, you know, is obviously a very, very well-respected, um, national reporter who hasn't been a beat writer for the team since I think the year 2000. 
Mm-hmm. So, so that's that's where Cuban's falling on it, and uh, you know that's that's my understanding. He he hasn't gone. He's he's made a few public comments here and there. When I reached him, he uh, he declined comment, but uh, he, you can pick up a few things. But he hasn't really talked about it in any official capacity yet. So a couple couple things. This isn't the first time that McMahon's been banned from a uh, a Mavericks facility. <laughs> um, back in the day, I think whenever he was running the what Dallas Morning News Mavericks blog, or he was considered a blogger, that's whenever um, Cuban started banning bloggers from the locker room for I don't know how long it was. I don't know if it was a season or a month or whatever. I, um, I seem to remember it being pretty short, and, and he did reinstate that or reinstate yeah. bloggers. Yeah, yeah, and then. The other part of this is ESPN is doing this with everyone. Like, they literally don't have a Rangers beat writer, or they didn't uh, for, I think, a season and a half there because what they do just a little bit behind the scenes is rank their top, like, 100 teams in terms of um, attention that they they require and, I guess, buzz, general um, wanting to hear more about this team. And the Rangers slid off the table uh, after those two really bad seasons. And so they yanked their their Rangers beat writer. Uh, And I don't even know if they have one at this moment. So ESPN has been doing this, where they have people cover a few different teams. It's just kind of how the sports landscape is going. And I think it's a a little bit of a petty move from Cuban to to react in this fashion and um, to try and, I guess, cause harm to these two very professional, very talented, uh, well-respected men's career and uh, and their way of earning a, earning a living uh, just seems like a little bit too far of a step, especially for a team that your home games or all your games are broadcast on ESPN 1033 here in Dallas. There's a lot of contradictory um, feelings and angst going back and forth in this. It's puzzling to me. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot going on there, and it's it's definitely – you're definitely right about like the the model, the business model, and that. I, I wonder how much Cuban is is trying to protest. Um, you know the the fact that ESPN doesn't do beat writers for all the teams, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he obviously would never do this unless if if ESPN, you know, if ESPN still had a full time Mavs guy, if, if they hadn't changed McMahon's role. I wonder yep. to what extent. Um, you know, he he wouldn't he he wouldn't ban them. It, it's not. Like he's just sticking up for the Nets not having a guy anymore. The the Heat. Yeah. He's it's not like hey, Windhorse went to the Cavs. He's not with Miami anymore. How could you do that? Obviously, this is not where Cuban's falling on it. Um, yeah. But you know, it's the the issue has now come to him, and you know now now he's upset that he's not getting full time coverage. So you know maybe that's part of his thinking here. I, I don't I can't speak for sure with without you know him him clarifying on that. I'm so yeah yeah. So and I think that I think the timing probably couldn't be worse uh, in terms of. I've heard from a handful of Maverick fans that aren't super pleased with the way he's handling uh, the campaign season, election season, uh, and that they're no- annoyed about that. And then this looking – I mean, I get his stance. I totally understand it. Um, you're frustrated with the coverage. You're frustrated with ESPN making – you know, a, no team has like their own individual beat writer. They're being spread apart. But that's kind of the business model now. And your reaction is something that's going to look very petty. Um in the in the social atmosphere and people that already want to say um i wish he would shut up about the election are going to take this as a uh, another source of ammunition to uh just just fling some more crap at him 
Yeah, and the I, team and the team was zero and five until last night. <laughs> yeah, almost, it's it's funny that that he he does this and this this breaks right as they they win their first game and all that. Uh, but yeah, as as the person who's kind of reporting on this, I'm I'm trying to not take like a I'm trying to stay sort of neutral here. Although clearly I do support journalism and and uh, NBA writers, people trying to do journalism uh, within the NBA. Um, but but definitely on Twitter, I saw a lot of people in in my mentions just you know reacting to the story. Who you know the first thing they pointed out was look how hypocritical this is. You know he's been criticizing Trump and he's been criticizing Trump's treatment of the media, and mm-hmm. here he goes off and um, and you know bans a couple ESPN reporters, and especially the Stein one. You know where he yeah. literally like he, he this is collateral damage. You know just caught in the caught in the crossfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that's a comparison I saw made a lot on Twitter last night by a lot yeah, of different that's, people. That's kind of what really sucks to me is that the Mavericks just won their first game. Um, and they played really great defense. And uh, there's a lot of storylines coming out of that game. And Harrison Barnes emerging as a legit, um, you know, playing the four in what he's done at that position. And none of, nobody's talking about that today uh, because they're talking about what Cuban did uh, and him turning into Tom Petty real quick, uh, and it getting to the light, and it it just kind of bums me out because they actually won a game. They played really well. Um, Harrison Barnes had his best game as a Maverick. Uh, Finney Smith did some fun things, and nobody's worried about that at this moment. Yeah, just to put a a real life example on it, my plan last night was to write about Harrison Barnes, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, especially you know he's having a good game. And then, you know, I started figuring this stuff out and ended up my night and my morning has been all taken up by this thing. And we uh, we currently have have uh, nothing on Harrison Barnes until tomorrow at this point. So, Jeez. you know, yeah. like, besides besides the normal recap. So, yeah, that's that's just like how things work around here. I mean, yeah. if, if you're going to present a bigger story in front of me, like, yes, other stuff is going to get overlooked. You know, that's mm-hmm. just that's that's the that's the reality of it. So, yeah. it's unfortunate, you know, like I like. I figure we're going to talk about Barnes in a second, but yeah, for you know, like sure. he's he's clearly should be the story out of Dallas uh, mm-hmm. this morning, and it's he's been completely overlooked. And this yeah. certainly isn't the first time that Cuban has done something like this to you know get ha- headlines away from his team and in a negative way, or you know at least take attention away from it from the players that should be getting the attention. So you know I, yeah. I still stand by. I still think he's a great owner and all this. I'm certainly you know very smart guy. Mm-hmm. All all this stuff, but. You know, you have to uh, you have to you have to wonder about how that rubs people uh, in in certain situations. Yeah, two things, and we'll leave it alone. Um, the Pro Basketball Writers Association issued a statement. Uh, it reads: We are deeply troubled by the Dallas Mavericks' move to revoke the credentials of two respected longtime NBA journalists. The Mavericks' move <laughs> is without merit. We call on the Mavericks to reverse their decision for. Uh, or for NBA officials to intervene to allow Tim McMahon and Mark Stein to continue their work. So I think it'll get turned over and we'll forget about this in like two weeks' time. Uh, the second thing is uh, props to uh, you at Maz Moneyball for using the picture of McMahon, which is clearly 20 pounds ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I was moving very quickly. I actually did change that photo <laughs> this morning. But, uh, but I, when I typed in Tim McMahon on, onto Google Images, that was, that was the first one. So I figured, you know, it's, it's not my fault. That's, that's coming down to Google. <laughs> no, I, I got um, a, I got a, uh, I did get a nice text from McMahon, uh, yeah. celebrating my, my usage of that. Stuff, <laughs> so, so. I knew he wouldn't let it slide. So I, 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 I went ahead and, and put one in. 
Oh, oh, totally not. But you know, I, I feel like it was subtle payback for all the uh, all the little shots he's taken at me over the years. So right, yeah, I was I was more surprised to realize he'd still respond to my uh, my text messages last night after the last time we played basketball. I left him as a human chalk outline. We're still we're still friends though, despite me um, murdering him on a basketball court. Uh, honestly, I don't think I've spoken to you in the past year without you somehow finding a way to defend <laughs> your your uh, your crushing of him on on, on the court. So I mean, that was just... for sticking to this bit. I'm I'm impressed. It was historic. I mean, people are talking about it. I don't know why. I don't know why you brought it up. I don't know why you brought it yes, up. This, it comes back to me. I'm I'm sorry. Of yeah, course. Yeah. Of course. Um. All right. Let's focus on something fun and something positive and something that's actually happening on a basketball court near you, and that's. Harrison Barnes at the four has been nothing short of spectacular. Um, I think whenever we did our preseason predictions and we were like, oh, must, most improved player, um, we both scoffed at Harrison Barnes even getting into that conversation. Uh, and I think we actually voted for Justin Anderson as uh, going to win the most improved player in the Dallas Mavericks this season. But Harrison Barnes has been freaking incredible, man. And it's been in isolation. Um, one of the areas of his game, which I was scared to death of, um, him just jab stepping and then lazily launching like a long two and stuff like that. But dude, he's been spectacular. And I think the future of the four position in Dallas is going to be really sad eventually, but I think we've kind of found it. What say you? Yeah, it's so it's interesting how different these two big games from Barnes has been. And clearly he's been good, you know, all six games, but uh, I, I want to like like my reaction after the thirty point game, the second game of the year against Houston, uh, was that it was a really good game from Barn and impressive, but not something that we hadn't seen from him before. It was a bunch of a bunch of jumpers, a bunch of stuff in the mid range, and all stuff we knew he could do. Um, last night, there was stuff that I've never seen him do before. There there was passes he had a pass going baseline where he where he got doubled. Uh, driving the ball and then two-handed it over his head to JJ for one of his two assists. Mm-hmm. That was really impressive. That that was the type of uh, you know kickout pass that you know he never really did in in with the Warriors. Um, you know just some of the drives that he was making. He beat Giannis on the on the game tying layup in regulation to the rim. Uh, mm-hmm. You know that that was a huge shot and that that was him beating a very good defender. Um, so I I've been thoroughly impressed with with his playmaking or. Uh, last night, I was very impressed with his playmaking and his ability to get to the rim. Uh, two things that I was, you know, pretty bullish on him being able to do as a as a Maverick, and uh, you know, those are kind of the two areas that I, I was hoping he would improve on by year three. And now mm-hmm. we're seeing it in game six. So I I don't I don't know if it's just a game that we're going to see it. Certainly, I, I've really only seen that in a game or two. So I'm not you know I'm not sold that he's going to be this player every night, but. You know, it's it's impressive to see him see him do that and, and you know, break out some things that uh, you, you know, weren't necessarily expecting out of him. Yeah. And I think one of the most important things for him is game one. He makes that three to send it to overtime. And then last night he makes the bucket um, that forces overtime as well. And with dudes like this that are that much younger than a lot of the starting unit, you know, seven to eight years. And then in Dirk's case, <laughs> 12 years, 12 or 13 years younger, if you don't make your imprint and don't stick in a veteran's mind as someone who can close out a game or make the play whenever it's needed, you kind of get washed out of the, you know, the consciousness of, I need to get this guy involved. And he's been the dude, like he's been the clutch 
uh, Maverick on offense. And I think that's really important going forward where dudes don't start phasing him out. They say, I can give it to him. I have confidence in him. He can make this play to uh, either get us back in the game or, uh, or finish the game or even just let him work in isolation and not run over to him and try and take the ball from him. Um, I couldn't be more impressed, and I couldn't have spun a bigger 180 on Harrison Barnes thus far in the season. Yeah, actually, I remember listening to that podcast, or maybe you've talked about it a few times, where, where mm-hmm. you guys talked about, you know, you're nervous that people or people would see him in the in the high post and be like, okay, we know if we pass it to you, or you're just going to, you know, kind of hold on to it, jab step away, and, and break a shot. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I definitely think that he's, you know, he's showing that, you know, he, he he's a he's a consistent and, and reliable scorer, and I do think he's going to have a few slumps. You know, the, the fact that we saw him play so poorly with the Warriors over the playoffs and especially in the finals and then also this preseason, I think indicates that he is still a streaky player at times. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we will have not just a game, but a few games in a row where his jump shot just really isn't working. But overall, yeah. you know, like I'm, I'm very, very impressed and definitely have, you know, have turned around from what I was thinking just because, you know, he doesn't look like the player that I was, I was scared of. He doesn't look like the, that guy that I wanted the Mavericks to stay completely away from, uh, you know, kind of who he was in Golden State. And, you know, that that's, you know, a lot to the Mavericks for seeing that, you know, maybe in a different situation he can do more and mm-hmm. a lot to Harrison Barnes for adapting so quickly because I de- certainly did not expect that. For sure. And then on the other side of things, um, what the hell are we going to do about Wesley Matthews? Um, last night was another just ridiculously awful game. I think three of 14 from three. Uh, he did take four charges, which is really fun. But, um, I mean, if they don't get just average production out of Wesley Matthews, I don't know what, um, your grand scheme of things is. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, no, he was, he was my, a very confident pick to be the second leading scorer on this team behind Dirk. Um, and it, you know, I still might be right. It might be Harrison Barnes and then Wesley Matthews at this rate. Mm-hmm. Please, please forgive me, Dirk. For right. that. Yeah. Lord, 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 forgive me. And Lord being yes. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, I've, I've been surprised. Like I, I'm still, I'm still holding out hope on him. You know, he's, he's, uh, what a year and a half removed from the Achilles now. Um, yep. you know, he obviously works his ass off. Can I say that? Yeah, that's fine. Cool. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> no but, but but yeah no like obviously there's every reason to think that he will be better um but it's just not happening and it's still not happening and he's still you know he he actually he had a really good game uh in their last loss uh on friday to portland or really good you know he was solid he was efficient mm-hmm. uh, but once again he was right back out to it and you know until very late in the game the one through he made was like a, a step back you know 30 almost a 30 footer Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's those, you're still taking shots like that, um, and just because that one went in clearly doesn't mean it's a good shot when you're when you're shooting like he is. So yeah. I don't know, man. Like, what what do you think? Like, I I still want to think that he'll be fine and still figure things out. But the Achilles mm-hmm. injury is maybe the worst in sports that isn't breaking your leg, uh, like yeah. Paul George stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah I it's think... just so bad, and like people don't recover from it, you know, historically. Mm-hmm. And he, he's a little bit younger, but I don't know. I think he learned a lot of bad habits. And um, during his recovery and not having his legs last year, and he molded himself into this type of new player that was just like survival mode. Um, And I don't think that guy uh, has a place in this offense. I think he needs to uh, 
chill a little bit and just take what comes to him and not because whenever you think about it, you think about Dirk stepping out and all of the veteran dudes probably think immediately, man, I got to I got to step up a little bit. I got to do a little bit more when in honesty and uh, honestly, Wesley Matthews doesn't have to do any more right now. Harrison Barnes is pulling that load. J.J. Barea is pulling that load. Um, and they'd be fine if Wes Matthews just played um, inside of himself, inside of the system more right now than try to, you know, take on uh, the situation with more aggression and try and be the alpha dog and just sit over there, play three and D and, uh, you know, contribute where you can on offense and don't try to be anything more than you are because he has, still has a lot of weird bad habits that he's doing on the offensive end. And defensively, he's fine. Um, he's been perfectly fine. But I just – I don't think there's a solution this year. I think it's going to take him a whole another year to break those bad habits he developed. Yeah, and, like, you know, if he can just be a guy who shoots one of four or two of six mm-hmm. on a nightly basis, we don't – you know, you don't need him taking – uh, you know, those, like, like you said, those, you know, kind of bad habit shots or, or whatever, but mm-hmm. you know, we, you don't, you don't need him shooting 45% as long as he can just knock down a couple threes a game, right. uh, on six, seven attempts. And those six, seven attempts will mostly be open. You know, that's, that's all you really need out of him. At and maybe this point, making, it seems calling like, yeah. more, calling more plays to post him up to, I, I, I think, think that, so. Yeah. That would help him a lot. Yeah, in the the one game where he took uh, what was it like one million and five shots shot attempts. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you yeah. know he actually had some nice you know step back jumpers and stuff inside the arc. So mm-hmm. you know and stuff that you know doesn't need his legs as much. That's just muscle memory. That you know stuff that's yeah. probably never left him even with the injury. But for sure, I don't know. You know, I I love him as a as a person. Like I love I love talking to him. I love I love the way he looks at the game. But so mm-hmm. I'm certainly rooting for him. But. You know, it's it's been a bit a bit discouraging to see both his shot not falling and also how he's playing the game, just the shots he's taking. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. I'll let you get back to it. Thank you so much for your time. You can check out Tim on Twitter at Tim underscore Cato and uh, at Mavs Moneyball. Thanks again, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs>